Welcome to One Chapel. We're a family of neighborhood churches in the Austin area. Our vision is to help people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. It's a place to connect, grow, and serve the communities where we live. You can learn more about One Chapel and how to get involved at onechapel.com. And now, here's this week's message. My name is Zach Parsley. I'm one of the youth pastor people around here, and we had a great time at Tag Camp this past weekend, and God did some incredible stuff in the lives of our students and our leaders, and we just wanted to share a little bit this morning with you. Is that okay? Um, You know, the scripture says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, and so we need to share our testimonies. We need to know when people go um, from being blind to, to seeing. And so uh, I have Elizabeth and Marcus and Natalie here this morning. Let's give it up for them. And so, uh, Marcus, this was your first tag camp, and he's actually getting baptized later this evening, so you guys will get to experience that with him. Um, But why don't you just give us a little bit of what God did in your life this last weekend? Okay. Hey, guys. (laughs) Uh, So... Before tag camp, I had a really wrong definition of what a proper relationship with God looked like. Before tag camp, I kind of thought whenever I was supposed to talk to God, like when I worshiped and when I prayed, he was supposed to do something big in my life. Like he was supposed to give me some big emotional impact in my heart. And then every time when I prayed and when I worshiped and that didn't happen, I'd always get really disappointed. Like... It put me in a chapter in my life where I was just so sad for a while because I felt like every time I prayed and every time I tried to seek God and give him myself, like, I wasn't worthy. So it was just this long period of my life where I was just so sad. So then I was going into tag camp kind of thinking that, like, yeah, I'm going to get that experience, and it's finally just going to be amazing, and the whole week is just going to be so great because every day I'm just going to be feeling that. And then the first day came, and then I didn't get that feeling and then I just got really sad. I mean, I got that feeling on that one night when everyone's uh, the Holy Spirit exploded in the room. And it was just, it was fun. Uh, but uh, after the first day, I just got really sad because, like, I didn't get that feeling that I expected to. So um, I think it was the morning service. Uh, Jansen Riles, the youth pastor for South Austin, he was talking about, um, it wasn't even his main point. It was just one of his side points. He was talking about how every time you encounter God, it doesn't have to be a huge experience where he just shows you so much like uh, like a revelation or just a big emotional experience. It can just be like a little thing, and it doesn't have to just like change your life every time. And for me, that kind of helped redefine my idea of what a relationship with God should look like because I always just kind of figured if you're going to go in, you got to go all in every time. Uh, but I kind of thought of it as like, your relationship with God should be like a relationship with like a close friend. Like not every single conversation needs to be deep where you pour your feelings out to each other. I mean, those are the conversations that get you closer to your friend. But also you can have those little small talk moments where nothing major really happens, but that still helps you get closer to your friend. So yeah, it just helped me redefine my standards of what a proper relationship with God should look like. That's awesome. It's really important that we are not just chasing some feelings. We're not chasing some emotional Holy Spirit goosebump thing. We're chasing Him. And it's not, it's not just emotions. It, it is a 
long journey, and every time you meet with God is not going to be the greatest thing that's ever happened to you in your life, right? And so that's really awesome. Uh, Elizabeth has been with TAG for a very long time, and she, over the past year, has just kind of come out of her shell a little bit, and we're like, oh, we like this person. She's awesome. And not that you weren't awesome before. But uh, we're just so um, happy that she's around, and she also had an experience this weekend. You can tell us about it. Um, okay, so ever since I was a kid, I've been bullied. I didn't understand what it meant to have a real friend, how to make one, treat one, or keep one. And the emotional trauma has caused me to shut myself down to keep to myself. I, I had become so invisible to the point where middle school, my dad would keep forgetting to pick me up from school. The first thing he would do when he would finally pick me up is apologize to me, telling me how he forgot about me. Because of my lack of community growing up, it's made me super dependent, or as some might call it clingy, on the friends I am able to make. I have been so self-absorbed uh, with what others think of me. Any little action I would do or words I would say around people I'm not so comfortable with makes me cringe and recoil with embarrassment, just wishing I had never said anything in the first place. This year, God showed me that people are people, and we all make mistakes. I'm never going to get full satisfaction out of my friends and family. The hole in my heart eating away at me with loneliness will only continue to get bigger and bigger the more I look towards people for my identity. God showed me this year that the real friend I've been craving all my life, the one who never puts me second, the one that, that wants to hear what I have to say, has been by my side this entire time. While I was standing outside my middle school looking around and waiting for my dad, my friends, or anybody to come pick me up with excitement to see me the same way I was excited to see them, God was already there, the first one in line, waving and smiling, trying to get my attention. I just kept overlooking his faithfulness for justification from the people I had placed on a pedestal in my life for showing me just the tiniest amount of care. God has revealed to me that he has always been here by my side, wanting to be my best friend and give me the love and attention I was so badly craving, that I will only get full satisfaction in his presence. No matter how lonely I get, I don't have to cry it all out by myself. God has told me that he is here for me in ways that no one else can compare to, and he won't put me on a list. My feelings are valid, and God won't ditch me for the more popular kids. He doesn't think I'm boring. He doesn't find my shyness intimidating. He wants to know me and be with me. He is everything and more than I can ask for in a best friend, and I don't have to be intimidated to come talk to him about what's on my heart and mind. I'm relieved now, realizing I finally found my forever friend I can count on for peace of mind. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Second Timothy 1.7. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so good. Every time I hear Elizabeth talk, I realize she really knows Jesus. <laughs> and she knows the heart of the Father, and so she has very good things to say. Um, Natalie um, has been with us for a little while, and she is the happiest person that you'll ever meet. <laughs> She's never in a bad mood, and um, you also had an experience. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Um, my middle school years were very interesting. <laughs> um, I made some friends that were not good people. Um, they made me go through some experiences, some problems that I never thought I'd had to go through. Um, and so my mom would always tell me, you know, make time aside for Jesus, you know, read your Bible, worship, give him the time that he deserves. And I'd, I'd push it aside I say maybe later, maybe later I'll do it. 
and maybe later turn into maybe tomorrow I'll do it maybe tomorrow next week and it turned into like months and months of just giving him two days Wednesday and Sunday it's like he gets two days he's fine <laughs> um, and uh, and so my relationship with him was not a very strong one and so this tag camp was very life-changing and it was very great um, on the third night I was very exhausted from every games we'd play with throwing squids at each other wrestling each other for a bar of soap on the floor um, <laughs> it was very exhausting and so we uh, we went into worship the third night and I had already decided that I wasn't gonna press in too hard I was just gonna sing and stand and my friend came up to me for with a prayer request and so I was like okay prayer mode <laughs> And so I went into prayer mode, <laughs> and as soon as <laughs> and as soon as I started to press in, God was right there, and He was so happy to hear from me, and He was so filled with joy, and He He made it clear that He He wanted me to press in and and for me to create a relationship with Him, and. Uh, and so he gave me kind of a vision of the Moses scene, but instead of chariots and Egyptians chasing after me, it was a bunch of fear and evil and selfishness. And I was walking through the parted sea, and I made it over. I crossed, and I made it clean, and I made it free, and I was washed. And all of that evil and selfishness and fear was just washed away and it was gone and it was destroyed and so I was like this is great I'm clean I'm new what's next <laughs> and so he told me I am not done with you yet and so I was like okay and we went back into service and Brent was talking about his past camp experiences and how people would jump up and uncontrollably laugh and fall down in laughter and I'm like well you're you're overreacting <laughs> you can control your laughter maybe a little smile a little jump but laughing come on and so we went back into worship and I could not stop smiling my my cheeks start to hurt because of all the smiling and then my legs started to shake and it all led up to me laughing hysterically on the floor and my voice was halfway gone so you can just imagine how that sounded <laughs> um, and it was an amazing experience it felt so felt so good at first and then it was like okay Jesus can't breathe but <laughs> 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 but it was great um, and so I went home to tell my mom about all that had happened and I was telling her everything and uh, she was smiling the whole time. And when she left the room, she came back. And she came out with a notebook. And it said, fire over my daughter. Words of prophecy. The joy and laughter of the Lord. Bringing joy to the spirit. Laughter of God. He had told her what we were doing. How I was getting the joy of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and she put the exact date that it was happening. She wrote it down that day and around the same time that it was happening. 
and I thought that was so amazingly cool. Yeah. <laughs> Camp was so fun. One of my favorite stories was we got 400 pounds of that color powder stuff, and we put it in little baggies, and we got like 100 cans of shaving cream and 1,500 water balloons, and we put it in the middle of the field in like a cornucopia thing and had all the kids on the outside surrounding it, and, um, and we were going to have them go kill each other. And so uh, I get in the middle. Before, before I allow them to do that, I need to give them ground rules, right? Of course. So rule number one is you need to wash off before you go back to the dorms because you can't just don't go hop in your sleeping bag and all that garbage is on you. And um, then the second one is when you squirt the shaving cream, you have you you can't just go around squirting it in people's eyes or else you might like gouge someone's eyes out, right? And these are the things that you, a youth pastor has to think about or else we'll just have eyeballs laying all over the field. <laughs> so you need to squirt it in your hand first and then smash someone in the face. Uh, so that's an important rule. And then the last rule, my, my plan was to say the rules, then I was going to excuse myself uh, and get in on it later. <laughs> but the, then I sang the last rule, and the last rule is no mercy. So I say the last rule is this, no mercy. And then they immediately just start running at me, and I'm, my eyes are big, and there's like 300 just convulge on me, and it's like a mushroom cloud of color. And I got wrecked, and it was very sad. But <laughs> it was a lot of fun, and I'm super happy to get to share um, about the youth and about the next generation. I have the best job in the world. It is awesome. Me and my wife get to hang out with students and laugh and see them experience the Lord. And it is, um, it is the best job in the world. And, and at One Chapel, we really believe in the next generation. Um, Pastor Ross says we need to work hard to grow our church young because it grows old all by itself. And we need to make sure that the next generation understands who they are and who Jesus is. Um, And so today I just want to invite you along. Invite you to participate with us in what we have experienced this last weekend with the Holy Spirit and making decisions for Jesus. I'm convinced that we have to keep doing that as long as we get old, you, you know, that Jesus just keeps putting his finger on things and working in your life. And so I want to invite you to participate with us today. So this morning I wanted to have a little mini camp. Everyone say mini camp. Um, and so I'm going to try to give three nights of messages in worship and Holy Spirit activity in the next 15 minutes. So uh, you guys... Pay attention, and I'll try to go fast, Um, but this tag camp, we kind of went through Jeremiah 1, verses 4 through 5, and this is what it says. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Lord, I ask that you would just reveal yourself to us today. God, your word is a lamp into our feet. It's a light into our path. It shows us where to go. It shows us where we can fall and stumble. And God, it shows us about more about who you are. And so, God, reveal yourself today. Let it be your words, not mine, God, but your Holy Spirit speaking through me. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. All right, point number one. The first night we learned this, these three things. God likes you. Everyone say, he likes you. He likes you. 
Jeremiah says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. A.W. Tozer, he, he's quoted saying, what? Yes, I know. It's so sad. A.W. Tozer said, what comes to our minds when we think about God is one of the most important things about us. And I think he's really on to something here. What comes to our minds when we think about him? What, what do you think about when you think about God? And I think for a lot of us, we have a twisted view of who God is. And I think it negatively affects our relationship with him. Tim Mackey, he, des- he describes righteousness as right relationship. Righteousness equals right relationship. And I think our view of God really affects whether we have right relationship with him or not. And I think righteousness is a really christian religious word that it's like, you're righteous if you do this. If you don't do this, you're not righteous. And it's like the standard that you have to live up to whether you do things or you don't do things. But I like this definition because I, it's about relationship with him. It's about right relationship. It's not about your do's and your don'ts or what you did or what you didn't do. It's about right relationship with him. And I think the scripture calls us to right relationship. It says the righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And so I think in scripture, righteousness or right relationship with you is his highest priority. It's the thing that he is after, right? All of scripture, that's what scripture is about, right? Thanks to Eve, she ate the apple. Nice, nice going, Eve. And then, and then the rest of the story is about a redemption plan. The rest of the story is about his, his plan to enact righteousness with us, to have right relationship with you and with me, and that comes to fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Um, but this morning, I feel like we need to have a right relationship with him. Some of us need to, to, to we're kind of off a little bit, and we need to think about him in the correct way. Um, as many of you know here, uh, Misty and I, we had our first baby girl uh, like a few weeks ago. Her name is Georgia May Wild. Her mother decided to name her Wild. I, we'll see how that works out. Um, but I have some pictures of her, I think. Big baby. So there she is. She's taking a nice nap. I think I got another one with her eyes open there. Oh... It's just head and eyeballs. It's so weird. <laughs> All right, and then I think there's another video for your enjoyment. This is, we were in the NICU, so she was in the hospital. She just got all of her tubes out. She's very confused, as you can see. <laughs> but when you become a parent, you learn so much about God and about who he is. And if I could sum it all up in three words, it would be, he likes me. Um... You know, when she was born, we had to spend three weeks in the NICU because she was born at 34 weeks. And so uh, she had to go into the NICU, and she was in this, like, little incubator thing because she had to learn to maintain her, her temperature. She had to learn how to eat by herself. She had all these tubes in her nose, and it was super sad. But we would go in there, and we would just say, this is better than watching Netflix, <laughs> right? we just stare at her, and we had these little holes we could put our hands in, and we'd just be like, that's awesome. My grandma said it's better than when my mom was born. It's better than watching TV, but nobody really watches TV anymore. So it's it's so awesome. It's so crazy. You're just you're just obsessed with this thing that poops all over you, pees all over you. Just spent eight months making your life miserable because your wife couldn't 
function properly, right? Throwing up and mood swings from me. I don't know. I don't know if she's in here or not. Um, but I feel like this is how God is with us. He's just. He's like, oh my gosh. He's like, do something. And he's like. He, he likes you, and, he, and I think a lot of us have a wrong view, and I think it hurts our relationship with him because, for, like, for me, I think I just felt like he loved me. I knew he loved me. Uh, it's hard to go to church and not hear he loves you. But I felt like, okay, you can love someone and be disappointed with them, right? Or he's disappointed in the end product, or I still have a ways to go. And, and I just didn't... And, and whatever it is for you, like, it doesn't have to be that thing. It could be maybe he's far maybe away. He, maybe he's disinterested. Um, maybe you've had a bad dad and you have no idea, like, what the love of the father is. Um, but for a lot of us, we have to come back to this place where we know that he likes us. And it's not... Like, she poops and pees everywhere and throws up all over me. I'm just like, Misty, look at this poop. It's so much better than the last one, right? I'm just like, it does, like usually Misty and I think kids are girls. We're like out at a restaurant. We're like, shut up, kid. You're so annoying. But not my kid, right? My kid, my, cry, my kid's cry is like, oh, that's so cute. It's a nice cry. It sounds like a baby goat. Um, but we feel, you know, we feel like we aren't good enough, and, and we need to know God's highest priority is to have right relationship with us because he likes us. Uh, Mark 5, 25 through 34, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out of him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet, how can you ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. This is one of the greatest stories in Scripture, I think, because it's a picture of you and it's a picture of me. This woman had been suffering from a disease that made her unclean. It was humiliating. It had ostracized her. She was cut off. She was rejected. And she went 12 years she went around trying to get healing, trying to get relief from her suffering. She was broken. She was forgotten. Um... And so she hears that Jesus is in town, and she does the unthinkable. She's not supposed to touch people, or that would make other people unclean, right? She's supposed to kind of follow the rules and follow the law, and she was unclean and wasn't supposed to be out. But she, her, she comes up with an unthinkable plan to go and touch Jesus, <laughs> right? The religious leader, he's a popular guy. He's the big man on campus. He's walking through the streets. There's a crowd around him. She's like, I know I'm not supposed to touch anyone. I'm going to go touch that guy, <laughs> Right? And so she's, she's like, maybe I can find healing. Maybe I can find relief. So she goes and she touches him. And what does he say? He says, who touched me? And, and she thinks that she's been found out, right? 
She thinks she's, been ex- she's about to get exposed in front of this whole crowd. She's ready for Jesus to scold her and, and yell at her to condemn her. Look, it even says, um, Then the woman, knowing what had happened, came and fell at his feet, what? Trembling with fear. She told him the whole truth. So she's freaking out. She's like, oh, freak, I just got caught. I know I'm doing what I wasn't supposed to. I'm unclean. I'm not supposed to be doing this. And, um, and she comes trembling before him. And what does Jesus say to her? The first words that he says to her, he says, daughter. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. He doesn't, you know, he... The great thing about the story is Jesus doesn't keep walking. He's like, well, that was weird. Oh, well, I guess let's just keep on going. He doesn't like, he doesn't say, wow, good, good job. You, you worked really hard and you got through the crowd and you said, good job. Way to go. Your faith has healed you, right? No, he takes time and he says, you are my daughter. He takes time to clarify the relationship before anything else, before he gets to any other thing of, about her faith or about her healing. He says, you're my daughter. Jesus wants to heal you, and he wants to make you clean. But above all else, he needs you to know who you are, that you are his daughter, that you are his son. Before anything else happens, and this is kind of what we talked about on the first night, before anything else happens for the rest of the weekend, we have to settle this, that you are loved and you are liked by the creator. Um, he, need, he wants to have right relationship with you. Uh, he likes you. Everyone say, he likes you. All right, point number two, he wants the best for you. Yeah, nice. Uh, Jeremiah says, before you were born, I set you apart. You are set apart. And I think a lot of people, you know, Christianity gets a bad reputation. They are prudes. They don't like to have fun. Christianity is about a bunch of do's and a bunch of don'ts and the rules you need to follow. There's a whole book of them. You can look them all up. And if you follow them, guess what? You're a good Christian. If you don't, then you're a bad Christian, right? And I think that this is a misunderstanding. Uh, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's not setting you apart to see if you love him or not. (laughs) He's not like, well, I wonder if they will mess up today and see if they love me today. I don't know. Jesus knows that the wages of sin is death. So if you lie, if you steal, if you cheat, guess who that's bad for? You. It's not going to work out for you. He wants the best for you. He doesn't want you to be stuck in addiction. He doesn't want you to, to lie and to steal and to cheat to get through in life. He wants the best for you. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's not some test right? It's not, it's not some test that we need to pass to get closer to God. It's like gravity. Like, if I throw my computer on the ground, it's going to smash on the ground because gravity goes down. Who knew? And that's what sin is. If, you, if you're constantly dabbling in sin and doing these wrong things, you will fall. It's, it's physics, right? At least that's what I like to think about it. Um, and so at camp, we kind of wrote these things down. Like we, and we all have things in our lives that we know that we know aren't good for us, that equal sin, that, that bring death to our lives. And even as I'm talking about it, you know what that is. And so at camp, we gave everyone an opportunity. They kind of wrote down what they were struggling with, what they wanted to get rid of, because he wants the best for us. 
And so they wrote it down. They wrote it on the rock, a big old rock, and then they left it at the cross. They left it there. And I believe Jesus really, really uh, touched some people and healed some people. That doesn't mean you're never going to mess up again, but we constantly have to say, this rock, I'm not going to carry it anymore. This thing, it's not going to be mine. All right, number one, he likes you. Everyone say, he likes you. (laughs) Number two, he wants the best for you. (laughs) Number three, he has a purpose for you. (laughs) Jeremiah 1, verse 5, I have appointed you as a prophet to the nations. I think, unfortunately, in our culture today, Christianity, Christianity requires very little. <laughs> it, requires very, it requires you to go to church on Sunday, right? Uh, yes, obviously. And then if you're a good Christian, maybe you'll give a tithe. <laughs> maybe you'll give a little money, okay? And, um, <laughs> and it, but, but in the scripture, you know what Jesus says? He says, drink my blood. And he says, eat my flesh. And this is, <laughs> if you don't know that scripture, please go look it up for, con- for context. But this is, he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And then a bunch of disciples are like, this is weird, and then leaves. He says, you need to k- pick up your cross and carry it daily. Do you know what a cross is? It's the torture device. It's an instrument of death. And Jesus is saying to these people, you need to pick it up, and, and you need to lay everything down. It requires everything of you to follow Jesus. It's not a hobby or a check mark. And unless you do this, unless every decision you make, unless everything is influenced by your discipleship to Jesus, then you are living an off-brand Christianity. Right? How many of you ordered like an off-brand thing and you're like, what the heck is this? <laughs> this, is not, this is not what I paid for, right? It's, just, it's the same thing. Unless we give all of ourselves to him it's going to end in disappointment. You won't experience the level of life and joy that comes with knowing Jesus. Um, and so the last night we kind of talked about this, and the kids kind of said, yeah, I, w- I want to give everything. I, I, I want everything in my life to revolve around him. And the way that we do that is, anybody know, anybody, anybody, through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he comes and he gives us the strength and the power to walk out, to be a good disciple of Jesus. And in and, and, and Acts 1.8, it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. And so when you give yourself completely to Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes on you, you become his witness. Your heart desires what his heart desires. Your thoughts are what his thoughts are. And you say, this is so awesome. I can't be the only one experiencing this. This is so awesome. God, you want me to talk to that person? Okay, I'll go talk to that person. And the Holy Spirit speaks to you, and and he empowers you to be a witness. I have appointed you as a prophet to the nations. When you surrender everything to the Holy Spirit in your life, things start to happen. People around you start to say, there's something different about that person. You start to be a better neighbor. I need to, I need to be a much better neighbor. <laughs> uh, you walk in your schools different. You and I were not you and I were not simply meant to just experience God, and that's it. We are invited for more to participate in what He wants to do in the earth to be his hands and feet. And unless you give everything, unless you say, and you take up that mission and you say, I will go, I will be a prophet to the nations, 
then it's, it's an off-brand. You're not going to experience the life and the joy. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. He likes you. He wants the best for you. And he has a purpose for you. And so this morning, I wonder, I wonder if we could just... I'm not going to ask for an altar call or anything. I just want us to simply respond to the Holy Spirit. I want you to respond directly to him. And there's nothing, I don't need to work anyone up emotionally. How many hands are out there? Well, I don't need to do that because he is personal. He's alive. He's active. He's living. You can talk to him and he can talk to you. He likes you. Everyone look at me. He likes you. He wants to be with you. He wants the best for you. He doesn't want you to be stuck. He doesn't want you to be lonely. He doesn't want you to be sad. He doesn't want you to be depressed. And his purpose for you is better than anything you can come up with on your own. So the band's going to come up here, and um, they're going to start playing. And um, at camp, we sang this song, Shepherd, we sang it earlier. And what it is is Psalm 23. And I love the part that says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. <laughs> I just like that image. He's like, Zach, lay down. Stop. Stop. Just lay down. It's okay. And so I just want to take time to respond to the Holy Spirit. So if you would, let's just stand up. And we're going to sing this song one more time. And if you would, I just want to invite you to close your eyes and maybe put your hands out as a sign of surrender to Jesus. Maybe taking a deep breath. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restoreth my soul. At the end of this verse, it says, Surely his goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. So, Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit into this place. God, we repent of not having right relationship with you. God, of thinking you're far away. God, I pray that the revelation that you like us, that you are, you are so happy with us, that we are your kids and you're our dad, would just settle in our hearts. God, I pray for things that we're holding on to, those rocks that we're still grasping, the sins, the, the things that aren't good for us. God, I ask that you would give us the strength and the courage to lay those down to you. And finally, God, I just ask that you would invite our, the Holy Spirit to just cover us that you would empower us to be witnesses, that we would live on mission, that we would live a life of purpose because your ways are higher, your thoughts are greater, and God, we want to participate with you in the earth. We love you so much. We love you so much. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody say Thanks for joining us today. If God is doing something in your life or you're looking for ways to get connected, you can learn about groups, teams, and more at onechapel.com welcome. You can subscribe to future messages from One Chapel on your favorite podcast player. And of course, you're always invited to services every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11.30. See you next time.